And welcome to Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here are your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred. Today, our month of terror on the show continues, and I'm pleased to welcome us back to the world of Victor Frankenstein with Quicksilver Radio Theater's adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Last week, we were introduced to the troubled man who was uh, a little too obsessed with death, a little too obsessed with science, uh, and his experimentation uh, lasted for months and months in a dark laboratory, and his efforts finally did bear fruit, but he was too mortified to deal with the repercussions of his actions, and that has created the horror part of this story, what happens when you unleash a life without being responsible to your creation? And as this scene opens, the Frankenstein monster has sought refuge in the home of a blind man, the only one so far who has not recoiled in horror when he has seen the monster. Hope you enjoy. Your, your hands feel huh. disfigured. Uh, Are you injured? I have wounds. I am an unfortunate. I have no relation at this world. The people where I go know me little. If I failure, I am outcast forever. But if you are decent, surely you can endear yourself to them. I will try. I have for months do favor for them. Where do these friends live? Very near. Tell me your story. I cannot see your face, but I hear sincerity in your voice. Uh, I am poor, but it would give me pleasure to speak to them for you. You lift me. With your help, I may have the sympathy of the others. Do not fall to my feet, my friend. I am but a man like you. My family has seen hard times. I hear my son and his wife returning. They may help as well. I need you now. You are the friend I seek. Do not desert me. Oh, dear God, who are you? My God, what are you? Get away from my father! Why do you strike me? Get away from here, you beast! Why? Did I not end my life then? As night fell, I wandered aimlessly through the wood. The stars turned cold faces to me. The trees shook their branches at me. Even the birds mocked. I declared war on this world, most of all against you who formed me. When night finally ended, Fever in my blood drove me like a dumb animal back to that cottage. It was dark and silent. They had gone. I destroyed their garden. I gathered brush, took an ember from the fireplace, and set the place ablaze and danced with the furious flame. This deserved. You speak to me of just desserts. But just then, Victor Frankenstein, the thought of you crossed my mind. Who else was left for me to turn to but my father? Your papers mention Geneva. I would head there. Toward my brother's doom. The elements buffeted me. My travels were hard, and only at night. Only once. Did a human being see me? A hunter in the wood. Uh, 
my burning shoulder fed a gall that fueled me, finally bringing me one spring morning to your home. Exhausted, I fell asleep behind a bush in the field. I was awakened by the approach of a child. He had lived too short a time to be prejudiced. Perhaps I could make him my friend. I stepped from behind the bush. Child, what is this? I will not hurt you. No, listen to me. No. Boy. You want to tear me to pieces. I'll tell my friend Elizabeth. Boy, I am your new friend. You belong to my enemy. Let me go. Quiet, boy. Let me go. Be still. Suddenly, the child went limp in my arms. Killer, my angel brother Willie. He would not move, and I despaired. But slowly, I remembered who he was. My enemy was not invulnerable. These wounds would hurt him. I haunted that evil spot, watching for you. And an idea took shape, which became a burning passion that you must gratify. Man will have no part of me, but one formed like myself would not deny herself to me. What? A companion that I demand you create as my right. Create another like yourself? Yes. When together you might desolate the world? No. You may torture me, but I will never consent to this. You are in the wrong. I will reason with you. I am malicious because I am miserable. All abuse me, but I will not be an abject slave. Have a care. Deny me this, and I will make it so that you... To curse the hour of your birth. But do not threaten me. Victor Frankenstein, if but one were benevolent toward me, I would make peace with all. Oh, my maker, make me happy. My God, you have a heart. There is some justice in your plea. Do I owe you this? If you consent, you will never see us again. We will go to the wilderness of America. I see compassion in your eyes. But could you who long for man's sympathy remain in exile? You would return, still odious to him, and have a companion to aid you in destruction. I swear by you that made me that we will quit the neighborhood of man. My life will flow quietly away. And in my dying moment, I will not curse my maker. Perhaps it could be a... But you swear to be harmless. What of my brother and the cottage? How inconstant you are! I will not be trifled with! My vices are the children of solitude. My virtues will grow when I live in communion with another. I meant to do good in your creation. You have been scorned. Your threats have power. I consent. Ah, ah. On the solemn oath. You leave Europe as soon as I fashion a female to accompany you. I promise, by the love that burns in my heart, commence your labor. I will watch your progress. 
when you are ready, I will be there. I left that hut, and with a heavy heart returned to my family. I dedicated myself to my aborted task, in the chance that I might eventually free us from this curse. My dear son, still you avoid us. I think I've discerned the cause. Yes, father. I've always looked to your marriage with dear Elizabeth as the hope of my last years. But being near from her childhood, do you regard her as a sister and not a wife to love another? Reassure yourself, father. I love my cousin tenderly. My hope, too, is bound up in our union. Then we shall be happy and dissipate this gloom. Does anything stand in the way of immediate marriage, son? There is something I must accomplish first. Uh. I, I wish to visit a schoolmate in England, as I shall probably not see him hereafter. There's nothing. It would please me to see you take a holiday. Ah, the one we speak of comes. Good morning, gentlemen. Elizabeth, I fear I must leave you. Victor? And when I return, I fear I must marry you. <laughs> oh, Victor, that is good, for I must marry you. Take your trip. It will refresh you. But take Henry to watch over you. Henry's presence would interfere with the isolation that I needed, but I could not finish my loathsome project in my father's house. So to England, with the sole consolation that when released from slavery, I might claim Elizabeth and forget the past. Victor, we haven't done this since we were boys. Let the beautiful sights cheer you. Long before they would have, but there was a great barrier between me and my fellow men, sealed with William's blood. I collected the necessary materials for my new creation. In London, I spoke with men of science. Could I be more successful this time? All of this was torture. Victor, look! Scotland at last! Yes, I need the solitude of the Highlands. I will be watching. Henry, I have neglected a duty towards someone, and I fear their retaliation. Victor, what is this? My friend, enjoy Edinburgh. I will be away a month or two, but when I return, I hope my heart will be as light as yours. I had rather stay with you, but hurry back. I traveled to a rocky island in the Orkneys, with few inhabitants and miles from the mainland. In a squalid hut, with a thatch falling in and crumbling walls, I began my dreadful work. Sometimes I toiled day and night. At others, I could not enter my filthy workroom for days. During my first experiment, enthusiasm had blinded me to the horror. But now, working in cold blood, my heart sickened. One evening, a horrid thought came to me. Years before, I had created a fiend whose barbarity had blasted my life. I was now about to form another, who might be a thousand times more malignant. What if she fled from him in disgust to the superior beauty of man? And if she stayed, a race of devils would be propagated on the earth. I looked up, and by the moon's light, saw the demon at the window. You smile at this? I was... Mad to do this again! What do you do? Never again! No! You have destroyed the good that you began. I endured fatigue, cold, and hunger. You break your promise to me. I do. Never will I create another like yourself. Slave, before I reasoned with you, but you prove yourself unworthy. 
You are the creator, but I am the master. Obey me! Your threats only prove that I must not give such an evil one a companion in vice. Shall every beast have his mate, and I be alone? Are you to be happy while I grovel in wretchedness? Man, you will repent of the injury that you inflict. Demon, do not poison the air with your words. I am no coward. Leave me! I go. But remember, I will be with you on your wedding night. All was silent. I shuddered to think who his next victim would be. And then I remembered his last words to me. In the hour of my marriage, I would die. I thought of Elizabeth and wept for the first time in months. I resolved not to fall without a bitter struggle. I must return to her immediately. I removed the remains of the half-finished creature that lay scattered on the floor. I wrapped the foul mass in sheets along with heavy stones. Under a silver moon, I sailed out and threw them into the sea. Then I set sail for the mainland. I reached the shore as the sun rose. Friends, where have I landed? Maybe at the place not much of your liking. I was told the English were more hospitable. Now we Scots hate villains. Perhaps you can account for the man we found murdered last night. Murdered? Aye, dead on the shore, with the black market fingers on his neck. Dear God, so died my brother. Who was this poor soul? A foreigner like yourself. Come and see where we've laid him. Oh, Henry Glorville, have my axe taken your life too? I fell into a delirious fever. Burning eyes came at me in the darkness. Brother, where am I? Victor, what have you done? I am watching. I would wake with the feel of the monster's fingers on my neck. By God's mercy, or was it mercy I recovered? I had been cleared of poor Henry's death by the testimony of a peasant that I was on the islands when the corpse was found. I took ship for Geneva on a sunny day, but as I lay on deck, I seemed to be in a vortex, spinning ever faster. What could I say to my family? They would cast me from their midst if they knew the crimes that had their source in me. Victor, lose poor Henry's soul. How unfair life has been to you. Father, how little you know of me. You are my son. Never say such a thing again. But here is Elizabeth. Leave you two. Dear one, when I heard the news, I expected to see you even more ill than when you left us. Can I even be of help? Do you still want me for your wife? Beloved, my remaining hope for joy is centered in you. But I have one dreadful secret, Elizabeth. I will tell you of it after our marriage. Until then, I beg you, do not speak of it. If you ask it, of course. But on that day, I shall heal this pain. Victor, let us fix the day. Elizabeth Lavenza, in ten days, will you be my wife? Oh, Victor, yes. A forced smile concealed my fears to my father, but hardly deceived Elizabeth. I took every precaution, carrying pistol and dagger. The wedding preparations made it seem that the happiness that I had long ago hoped for might actually come to pass. Victor, Elizabeth... I now pronounce you man and wife. What God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. 
There was a celebration at my father's from which Elizabeth and I stole away toward our wedding night. The evening was fair as we glided over the crystal waters of the mountain lake. For the last time in my life, I felt happiness. You look anxious, my love. If you knew what I have been through, you would let me savor the peace that this day grants. Do be happy, my dear husband. I only wait to hear what it is that you dread. Oh, but look at the beautiful fish in the blue water. Feel the soft air. What a blessed day. I took my bride's hand. As we touched the shore, the setting sun turned blood red. We entered our quaint chalet as a chill wind rose from the east. My right hand held a hidden pistol. Every sound terrified me, but I would not sell my life cheaply. What is it, dear Victor? What do you fear? C come to our room. Peace, my love. Only this night and all will be well. Perhaps she shared my fears. She left for the security of our room. I inspected every corner of the place. But I discovered no trace of him. Perhaps some lucky accident had prevented his coming. <coughs> Elizabeth! She had been flung across our bridal bed. Her head hung askance, her pale features half covered by her hair. Black fingerprints on her neck. I clutched her to me, but she was gone. Elizabeth! Elizabeth! <laughs> He was at the window, in the yellow moonlight, pointing to the corpse. How could I not have seen it all along? One by one, he was snatching my loved ones from me. I will join them soon. I raced back to my poor gray father. He could not bear the loss. He did not rise from his bed, and in a few days, he died in my arms. I lost all feeling save a burning hope that he who caused my suffering might come within my grasp. I walked the town searching for some sign of him. As black night fell, I found myself in the cemetery where William Henry Elizabeth and my parents rested. Beloved dead, aid me in my work. Make this hellish monster feel the despair that now torments me. The moon broke through the clouds, and I saw scratched on Elizabeth's gravestone. Come, my enemy. We have yet to wrestle for our lives. I seek the everlasting ice of the north. Follow me. Sometimes frightened peasants told me where he had gone. Sometimes he left a mark to guide me. Ever north to the Russian steppes. The snows fell and I followed his huge footprints across the white plains. The cold became unbearable. My life force was being used up. I burned with thirst, I ached with hunger. You will find near this tree a dead rabbit. Eat! His taunts spurred me on. I procured a dog sled and gained ground. I came to the last Eskimo village. He was here last night. Great beast with many guns. He take food and dogs and go out onto the ice. For sure he die there. Scrawled on a plank at land's edge. Wrap yourself in furs. We enter a place where your pain will satisfy my hatred. I know not how many days have passed since then. I crossed mountains of ice, frozen seas. The dogs began to pull up their harnesses as if chasing someone. I caught a dark speck on the horizon, which soon became a well-known form. We began to overtake him. Suddenly, the sea swelled. The ice broke and I was stranded on a jagged floe. How many hours? Most of my dogs died. 
Then I saw your vessel. I destroyed my sled to make oars and moved my ice raft toward you. I was sinking into death and losing my prey when you took me on board. Swear, Walton, that you will continue the chase. But I... No. I will not be so selfish. But when I am dead, if he should appear, swear that he will pay for his crimes. Trust him not. Call on poor Victor. I will direct your sword. Dear sister, I will complete this terrible story that I know you must find hard to believe. But the thing that we saw from our ship convinces me of its veracity. I have tried to comfort my guest. The soulmate I found in a desert of ice. Must I lose him? I write you not knowing whether I will ever see England again. Mountains of ice threaten to crush my ship. God grant that my obsession not cause the death of innocent men. But, Margaret, the most amazing scene of my life has just occurred. This morning, the ice began to thaw. Captain, you know this voyage is cursed. Let's turn home while we still have this chance. My attentions were with my bedridden guest who was fast fading. He awoke. What excites the crew? Have they seen him? No, the ice is breaking and I fear a mutiny. We return to England. You may give up your cause, I cannot. Rest. My enemy still lives. And I will die soon. Am I guilty? In madness I created a creature and it was my duty to assure his well-being. But it was not my duty toward my own species greater. Shh. I'm so tired. Look, it's my mother. Shun ambition, be happy in tranquility, Walt. Farewell, my friend. He feebly pressed my hand. His eyes closed, and a smile crossed his lips. Weeping, I left him alone in his peace. At midnight, with a quiet watch on deck, I thought I heard a sound coming from the cabin where Frankenstein's remains lay. I entered the cabin. Over my friend's body hung a form that I can hardly describe, gigantic, with an unearthly face, almost concealed by long locks of ragged black hair. One vast mummified hand was spread over the coffin. He looked up and saw me. Come from the window. Stay. That is my last victim. Frankenstein, selfish man. What good is it now that I ask your pardon? I destroyed you by destroying all that you loved. He's pale and cold as I once was. He cannot answer. Your repentance is worthless. If you had listened to your conscience before this, my friend would still live. And do you think that the groans of his loved ones were music to my ears? My heart was formed to feel love like yours. When driven to hatred, it endured a pain that you cannot imagine. Where is the evidence of this? After his friend's murder, I pitied my creator. But when I saw him dare to hope for happiness after heaping misery on me, envy filled me with an insatiable thirst for revenge. But I was slave to impulses that revolted me. When she died... I lost all feeling, and evil became my good. Here it ends. 
Wretch, you torch a building, and when it burns, you sit among the ruins and lament the fall? Hypocrite, it is not pity you feel, but regret that he is beyond your power. Not so, although it must look so to you. I once longed for sympathy. Now it is a shadow to me. I cannot believe that I am the same creature that once dreamt of beauty. Even devils were once angels. Yes. You seem to know of his trials, but did he tell you of mine? Am I the only criminal? What of Felix, who beat me from his door? William, who struck and spat at me, and all who spurned me? No, these are immaculate beings. I am an abortion to be trampled on. But I have murdered the helpless and tortured my creator. Your hatred for me could never equal my own. I think of the things my hands have done, and I long for the moment when they haunt me no more. That time will be better for all. Only one more death is required. I will go north on the raft that brought me, build from it a funeral pyre, and burn my wretched body so that no one can ever create another such as I. I will no longer see the stars or feel the wind upon my cheek. Long ago, when I first came into this world, I should have wept to die. But now, I am so tired. Where else can I find rest? Ma'am, I... Victor Frankenstein, your vengeance was better served by my living than by my dying. Come, I will take this clay that once held your life with me on the pyre. The flames will fade, and the ashes will be blown away by the wind. My spirit will sleep in peace, or if it thinks, it will surely not think thus. Farewell, Captain. No, leave him. Wait! Cradling the corpse, he leapt to the raft beside the ship and was soon borne away on the choppy waves. A fresh breeze came up. And as we came about toward home, we saw a ruddy light on the horizon far to the north and heard an unearthly sound until both were lost to us in the darkness and distance. This is Craig Wickman, stepping out of the monster's heavy shoes to thank you for helping us to bring him back to life again. Our cast, in order of appearance, John Prave, 
Clyde Baldo, Bob Hess, Vito Labella, Joseph Franchini, Susan Muir, and Jody Botelli. Music was by Mark Holman and sound by David Nolan, with effects by Clyde Baldo. I adapted and produced our story for radio, and our director was Jay Stern. Special thanks go to Matthew Finch, Max Schmied, and Raven of WBAI, Christ Lutheran Church, and Bernadette Fiorella Wickman. This program is dedicated to the memory of William Henry Pratt. Professional name, Boris Karloff. We hope to meet you again soon in the Quicksilver Radio Theater. And happy Halloween. And that was The Tragic Tale of Frankenstein, another one of the great works of Quicksilver Radio Theater and another one of the terrible tales in our month of horror here on Radio Drama Revival. Next week, we change gears completely. We head towards a modern tale crafted by the horror master, Mort Castle. His tale, If You Take My Hand, My Son, well, it tells the story of a man on the brink of death who's haunted with the voice of his long-dead, abusive, alcoholic father. Can reconciliation happen beyond the grave? Well, tune in next week to find out. And if you can't wait till then, check out the blog, subscribe to the podcast at www.radiodramarevival.com. can, of course, download all the previous episodes there while reading up on the latest audio theater news, reviews, and discussion. If you haven't been to the website lately, do go. You've missed a lot of excellent uh, teaser material for Halloween as well as a lineup of other great audio theater events. Um, don't miss the uh, murdered pumpkin. <laughs> and uh, if you prefer, you can find us in the iTunes store. Do a search for Radio Drama Revival. Well, that wraps it up for this week's show. Uh, Till next time, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.